your identity. I want you to take a moment right now. I want you to think about, if you've got something to write with, write down the things that define your identity. Or just think about them in your head. What do I do based upon who I see myself as? As a son or daughter of parents? As a student or an employee? As a member of a club? As one who is seeking to do such and such career? Do I see myself just as my name? Hey, this is who I am. As you're writing those things down about what you feel your identity is or your identities, that you'll understand that there are competing (laughs) ideas there. And unless we have an overwhelming uh, sense of identity that comes from God, that those things continue to conflict (laughs) throughout our entire lives. That we continue to seek to reconcile these identities together And we grow more and more frustrated because it becomes harder and harder as we add more identities and more identities to ourselves. But the men and women here that answered the call of God, that received the word gladly and were added to their number, that they repented, were baptized, and started walking with the other believers, that they understood that that the apostolic teaching was a map to their new worldview. That as I see myself as, right, somebody different, that I need to understand what that different looks like. And so the apostles' teaching, the ones that had been living this life, been having this identity that they now had, their teaching was a key to that. It was a map to their new, new worldview. It was also the truth of their new life. See, as we continue to see Right, what, um, what Jesus is, uh, that our lives as just one other thing alongside the narrative of Christ, that we will continue to not be devoted to the thing. We understand what non-devotion looks like, right? <laughs> it looks like doing everything. And lastly, that, uh, the apostles' teaching is the words of their new king. So if this is true, then I need to navigate my new world, right? My new worldview. So I need the Bible as a map. If this is true, then I'm leaving behind the lies of my old life, and so I need the truth of the new one. And lastly, if this is true, then knowing and being obedient to my new master is going to be of increasing significance to me. As I am listening to myself and making my own decisions, as I'm listening to other voices, from media and other relationships that I have, God is saying a completely different thing. Our identity will define the devotion that we have to Jesus' teaching. The thing I want to talk to you most about today is the other thing that they devoted themselves to, which was the fellowship. And so we use this word uh, and seemingly have it uh, be synonymous, synonymous with community, and there's many aspects of it that are, um, that are the same, and there's many aspects of community um, that, are, that are the same as fellowship. But here's a couple ideas that I want to include that we often don't include in this idea. So write these down if you're taking notes. 
Fellowship is a term that conveys a sense of commonality, a sense of solidarity, of, of the thing, of holding it together. It conveys a sense of shared responsibility among households and individuals. The most general sense of this term refers to shared conviction that manifests itself in mutual responsibility. And are described as having the sharing of resources, monetary and otherwise. This mutual responsibility is best described as a partnership. And the Bible talks about this partnership in lots of ways. It, it encourages us that we have partnership with the body of Christ, which is what we're talking about here. We have partnership in the news of the gospel. We have partnership in the spirit, the sufferings of Jesus. It also talks about that we enjoy fellowship, partnership with Christ. So the best way to understand this fellowship is a participation fellowship. But see, here's the piece where I think we kind of stop short sometimes. I think we want aspects of that sound amazing to us and that we are enjoying the benefits of those even now, but there's some aspects of that that we don't know how to do because no one's done that for us. We don't see it pictured. That's one of the reasons why we're going to speak uh, much more specifically on the subject at the retreat that we have this upcoming weekend. See, think about the world that you live in and the world that the people lived in, the people that came out of their own world and came to be counted among the early believers. That they noticed that what Christ was offering was something that they had to come out of the world to get. And I think many of us think that, no, I can stay in the world and, and have what Christ is offering. And I don't mean leave your apartments and your jobs and your classes and your families. What I do mean, right, is that be identified with the people of God first and foremost above anything else. But as we're thinking about it, as we're trying to understand our place in it, I think we, we want the sense of belonging. We want the sense of identity. And we want the sense of having something to do. But there's some things that I think we don't, maybe we, we don't want or don't understand. I think maybe we don't want the, the sense of commonality, that I'm the same as you. Right? In our culture, it is... Uh, understood that we are individuals, right? That everything about me expresses my individuality from my truth to the things I wear to the things I think, right? I am uniquely mine. And yet there's so many senses of as it relates to fellowship and partnership that we have to own this commonality, this sense of sameness, that I am the same as you. Another thing I think we miss is is we don't want to, we don't want to have the sense of solidarity. We don't want to have the sense of oneness because the sense of oneness means that I have to participate in a way that I'm not comfortable all the time. If we're one, then that means my stuff is yours 
and your stuff is mine, and I'm for you and you're for me on down the line. I don't know if we're ready for that. I don't know if we're ready for the responsibility, the sense of obligation. That as something happens with someone that I'm in partnership with, that I am obligated to act. Not just when I feel like it, or if I've got some time, (laughs) or if it's convenient to me. And lastly, the thing that I think we struggle with is the status. The sense of ownership, that as I am in fellowship with you, that I own that, that I am in partner, that I am a partner with you, and that is what defines me, not anything else. Let me tell you a, a common tale. There are two people that are best friends, and they are a bit codependent, but mutually benefit from the other. They have someone to talk to. Someone to do things with, a standing date if they have some free time. If one does something, the other expects an invite. They are connected because of their need, and there is some sharing. But but one day, one of them starts dating somebody. The person who is dating someone now has found someone who does a lot of the same things the other friend did. They talk less, the dating person is less available, the non-dater is pushed to the side. If they had others in their life, They feel the same way. They maybe feel a little used. Maybe they feel inconvenient. Six months later, the dating friend breaks up and calls the other one-time best friend for consolation. The dating friend now has a need. But the other friend is hurt, wants an apology, because over the last six months, the dating friend has not done the same for their friend as they have done and yet expects the friend to do what they have not done. And we expect partnership without being partners ourselves. How dare we say that? Every one of you in here, including myself, has done this. This is Nathan and, the, and David, and he calls him out after he um, murders Uriah, and he comes to him, rebuking him and he tells him a story of a man that takes another man's sheep and it and david burns in anger against this man he tells him what should be done and he says david you are that man and it breaks his heart how many of you experiences that someone does whatever they want living life independently and selfishly and when they are hurting or in need there's an expectation that you will drop everything And come running, come giving with a a hug, kind word, listening ear to tell them how they have been wronged and reassure them that they shouldn't have to experience any consequences. This is how many of our friendships are, and it sucks. But the Bible tells us that there's some other relationship that is available to us. That there is a partnership that is available to us as we seek to identify ourselves, not as Rob who does whatever he wants, you be danged, (laughs) but as seeing myself as a a son and child of God that wants to partner with other sons and daughters of God. To understand that there is better things to be devoted to. 
Our identities dictate whether or not we, have, we give priority to fellowship within the body. Whether or not we become partners with, an, with one another. This is not a space that we get to pick people who we want. While love is an action and thereby a choice, it is not supposed to be partial. Practicing and owning this within the body of believers allows us to understand how to do this in the world. You understand that? That unless we practice here, unless we get good at it here, we will never get good at it there. That we must learn to love our brothers before we learn to love the world. Will you devote yourselves to being partners with one another? As we close, I want to put up um, these eight key words here. And as we're thinking about some of these ideas, we're going to close with, I want you to, around your tables, um, talk about where your identity is right now. But I also want you, as you look at these individual keywords, and I'm basically just going to explain them to it and kind of turn it over to you, that I want you to think about how would that change things as I understand my identity, not as I currently do, but as how God wants me to. As I think about each of these things that I need to be about, to understand again, to learn what it looks like then to be the church that he has called us to be. The first one devoted that we talked about, the idea here is to, his, to God, his word, and his people. So I'm going to give you quick phrases to help you understand what you're looking at there. To God, his word, and his people. We don't get to just do one of those. Because doing the three of those then leads to some of the other things. It leads to awe. As we are devoted to God, each other, and his word, there's this sense of awe of what God's doing because we are focused on what he is already doing. That we see not just the coincidence of not planning, you know, for Wes to talk about what he talked about this morning before we talked about what we're going to talk about this morning. That we should be in awe how God illustrates and how he understands that we need to know this stuff. And so he just happens to plan that we talk about the same things. Think about things that have happened in your life over the past year, and if you'll give yourself the time to be in awe, you will, of the things that God has brought you through, of the things that, of the prayer requests, as I look through, I've uh, been doing much better at keeping a prayer journal, as I look through page after page of an answered prayer and answered prayer and answered prayer and answered prayer. That we are in awe of him and what he is doing when we do those other things. Which brings us back to this idea of togetherness. That we are, we are devoted to these things and we see others in being devoted to these things. That that lets me persist in running the race. That I don't break away from the pack. Understanding uh, not what my pace should be. But I have others running with me. Others, you need some water? You need to add a boy? Need some tough love? Because the idea is not, is to keep others, as many as we can, running with us, as Wes talked about this morning. Together is where they felt they belonged. 
that as soon as they wanted to be counted among the number, that they were continuously devoting themselves to things in keeping with their new identity. And as they were doing that, right, as they were devoting themselves, as they were in awe of God, as they were together because that's where they should be, then the needs among them were known and they were met. How many of you have had a really strong need over the last year? Everyone raise your hand. (laughs) How many of you would like to have had that need met a little quicker? Right? A little sweeter. A little faster with better options. This is what the church can be. We can't get to you fast enough if you need a meal or if you need a hug or if you just need someone to sit with you or if you need to borrow the car or if you need help moving. Think of all the things that you have needs for and that is what your brothers and sisters are supposed to be there for. And it only works if we see ourselves as such. That as they, because they saw a, a, a partnership and understood it as a partnership, as people have need, they said, you know what, I've got something I can do here. I've got some time. I've got some money. Let's sell this thing and let's give it to them because what's mine is yours. Because I know you would do the same thing for me. And they didn't just do this, right, once a year when they went on mission trip. Let's act like a fellowship this one week. So they did it daily. That it was a rhythm of their life. That they didn't stop doing it. We have no stamina for these things. And that's okay. We need to build it up. Right? That if I see a friend of mine twice a week, I'm like, enough of you. (laughs) We already caught up. You know, I just need you to basically be a silent companion as we kind of do the thing, whatever we do, right? That's how we do friends. There's a better way. And because of this, understand what others were viewing. As these people saw this identity themselves in all the things that we've talked about, from the awe to the togetherness, to the meeting of needs, to doing that every day, as people came in contact with them and they saw them living this life, it says that they had favor with all the people. That there's nothing wrong (laughs) with what God is asking you to do. In fact, it will ingratiate yourself and say, wow, you guys know how to do life. I wish I had life like that. We live contrary to the world. There is no doubt about that. But there are some things that if the church does it right, the the world will love us for it. And they will understand God's love because we are his people and we are supposed to live as he lived. Lastly, as there was favor there with all the people, it says, and God added to their number those who were being saved. I got this thought, have you ever had someone ask you for a recommendation and you didn't feel good about sending someone to some place? Maybe it's an auto mechanic or a class. 
I want to think that God felt good about sending new brothers and sisters in Christ to this community because they knew they would be taken care of. You understand how big a deal it is? It's not, hey, you can kind of come in, you're in the club now, but you're part of our family. That the measure of a family is how they treat everyone in the family. Not how close they are, how many times they get dinner. (laughs) That the measure of a family is the one, the newest ones, how well they feel a home there. And the last thing, the idea of being saved, that he added to their number, number daily those who were being saved, those who had been introduced to this new identity in Christ, those who needed a home in which to grow, in which to enter into and participate in this salvation. So as we think about those eight key words, I want to turn it over to you. I want you to have some discussion at your table. So here's the, here's the question. For you, who are you? What are you about? Do you have any partners? See, I dare say that this is a hard question for the world to answer. And as we think back about those men of what their identity was, they lifted their jerseys to the rafters, and that day was a culmination of hard work and devotion and identity And yet after that ceremony, the lights went off. And they were searching again. Lord, may we call one another to an identity that is higher than the rafters and goes on far longer. 